one of the things that we talked about last week when we were looking at the resurrection and one of the scripture verses that I've hit on a number of times in, in the previous weeks is where Jesus talks about, you know, in the world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about that verse and, and wondering, you know, how many of us really know when he said it, where he said it, who he said it to? Um, uh, so I started looking at it and digging into it a little bit deeper. Um, anybody have any idea? Probably not, because it's, I mean, and, and that's the way it is a lot of times with verses, isn't it? You know, we hear them a lot, you know, um, uh, not by might, not by power, by my spirit, saith the Lord. Um, uh, he who, um, uh, the sun sets free is free indeed. I mean, just, just all different, you know, these common verses that we know and are familiar with, but we don't always know where they are and, you know, the context. And sometimes that really adds to the depth of the understanding of that. And that's a powerful verse that he says, you know, in the world you're going to have trouble or tribulation, um, problems, suffering, pain, heartache, loss. I think you can add all those to that. Uh, you're going to have that, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And when he said it and where he said it and who he said it to, he said it to the disciples. He said it to the 12. Um or I correct that, he said it to the 11 because Judas had already left. It was at the Last Supper that he said it. And the reason that he said it is he was talking about the fact that he was about to be crucified and that they were going to be scattered in their own homes. They were going to be in hiding. They were going to be thinking they were the next ones to be arrested, right? I mean, if your leader gets arrested, you're the next one. Um, cowering in the back with no lights on, you know, just hoping that there's no knock at the door um, in, in terror, thinking they're going to be put to death as Jesus being put on trial for nothing wrong that he did, but because he did everything right. Um, and he's saying, you know, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he's about to die saying, I've overcome the world. Um, as you see me dying, as you are in hiding, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And, you know, I mean, it's such a opposite idea of what we would have, right? I mean, I'm thinking, my leader's arrested, He's being put on trial, not looking good, and especially when they bring the verdict and he's being crucified. I'm thinking, time to move to another country, maybe? <laughs> maybe time to... Don't I have a cousin that lives out in the boondocks somewhere? You know, go, go and hide. He's like, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I just stepped on my shoelace. So I wanted to look at the, the, that whole context of that and just kind of go through some of the things that, that Jesus talked about um, at the Last Supper, and it, and it all begins in chapter 13 of John, and, uh, and it was at the Passover feast, and I'll start in verse 2. So John 13, 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, uh, drying them with the towel uh, that he had wrapped around him. And so here's the, the setting uh, as, as it all begins. The devil's 
basically inside G of Judas or prompted Judas. He's put in Judas's heart. I'm going to betray him. He's made the decision. It's going to happen. Um, Jesus knows that he came from God. Jesus knows he's returning to God. Jesus knows within hours before the next day's done, he is going to be crucified. He's going to be put to death. He is going to go through a, a, a mockery of a trial. He is going to be beaten. He is going to be scourged. They're going to pluck out his beard. They're going to nail him to a cross with a crown of thorns on his head. He is going to suffer. He is going to bleed. He is going to die. And he is going to pour out his lifeblood. And he gets up and he disrobes and he washes the disciples' feet. And he starts talking to them about, you know, this is where Peter's like, no, you don't, you know. And uh, he tells them, you know, a servant's not greater than his master. And if you see me as master, as Lord, as king of kings, as the one that has all power and authority that the Father has given me, washing your feet, how much more should you wash each other's feet? And that's not just the idea of physically washing feet. And we have to, every time we go around, wash everybody's feet. But the idea of helping keeping others clean, other believers clean. That has to do with forgiveness of sin. That has to do with love. That has to do with encouragement. Um, that has to do with, uh, you know, just helping others in, in their walk with the Lord. Just all those different things that are involved with that. Um, and, and so here's uh, the example that he gives them. Here's the um, reality. And, the, and he's starting to, to share with them these things. Um, and, and he's blessing them. Just before that, he talks about them all being cleaned. But he says he's not referring to all of them in verse 18. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread will lift up his heel against me. And I am telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you'll believe that I am he. And so he's letting him know ahead of time, hey, one of you that's right here. One of you that's eating with me this last meal, this meal that he had such a great desire to share with his disciples, one of you that I've just washed your feet is going to raise up your heel against me. You're going to come against me. You're going to sentence me to death, basically. Turn me over to those that are going to put me to death. Um, uh, have I not chose you 12? Yet yeah, one of you is a devil. And of course, you know, we know the scene uh, in the Last Supper. We've, we've thought about it or heard about it where, you know, everybody's asking, is it me? Is it me? Isn't that interesting what they asked? They didn't say, is it him? Is it him? They said, is it me? They kind of knew their own hearts and lives. Wait, am I going to fall short? Am I going to turn against? Am I going to uh, be the one? Uh, and John leaning on on the Lord's breast, you know, is uh, asking, is it I, and, and, and who is it, and, and, and all these things that they're asking. Um, and, and he starts going into, and he starts talking about the, um, uh, the idea that um, he is going to suffer and that he is going to die. Um, he takes the, the bread, he dips it, he gives it to Judas. That's, that's around verse 25, 6, 7, somewhere in there. Um, what you're about to do, do it quickly, tells Judas in verse 27. And um, in verse 28, it says, But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had in charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to, to, to buy what he needs for the feast or, or give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and, and it was night. 
And so here it is. It's nighttime. It's it's at the end of the Passover meal or during that Passover meal. He took the bread. He dipped it. He gave it to Judas. Now he's gone out and Judas is getting the people that are going to come arrest Jesus. The end is near. <laughs> the end is here. <laughs> And then when he was gone, in verse 31, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. And it, the, the whole idea of his death, the whole idea of his burial, the, the whole idea of his resurrection was glory. And the glory of the Son and the glory of the Father. And again, it's, a, it's an opposite idea of what we would think. You would think God made flesh, comes and dwells among us, comes unto his own, that the result would be a victory, a celebration, you know, people putting him on their shoulders, you know, and here he is. What we saw in the triumphal entry for Palm Sunday, I guess today's Palm Sunday. <laughs> Hosanna, Hosanna. I mean, that's the picture you would have, and it would lead to him setting up a throne in Jerusalem, and now the Messiah's here, and he's going to reign, and everything's going to be fixed, and everything's going to be good. Not, he's going to be tortured, beaten, whipped, scourged, mocked, put on a cross. People, oh, physician, heal yourself, you know, and all the, the mocking that he's going to face. I mean, just the total opposite. But to Jesus and, and to God and what he's sharing is this is the glory. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And the only way that we could come to the Father was through Jesus Christ. And the only way we could be forgiven of our sin is if someone died in our place. The blood had to be shed. And that's the glory of God. The fact that he was willing to send his only begotten. The fact that he was willing to take us extremely flawed vessels. Everybody admits you're extremely flawed. Right? <laughs> and say, I'm forgiving you. I am going to use you for my glory. I'm going to put the most valuable thing that could ever exist, which is God and the presence of God, into an earthen vessel, into a jar of clay, it's called. Okay, what is clay? Basically, mud? <laughs> How hard is it to find mud? Mud. And God's going to put it in us, put his spirit in us, be uh, in our presence and, and have us be the temple of God. I mean, what a what a glorifying thing. What, a, what an amazing thing. And this is how the Lord is going to be glorified. Um, and uh, in verse 34, this is where Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so Jesus said, remember, you know, they had the Ten Commandments and they had different times that people would come to Jesus and ask him about the commandments and, and the different things. And Jesus said, this is the commandment you really need to follow. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we talk about that a lot. But here Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. This commandment was not in the Ten Commandments. It was summed up in it, basically. I mean, the idea of what the Ten Commandments were, this works. But he says, this is a new command. He says, love one another. So basically, we have two commandments from the Lord that we are to follow. Remember, he says, if you keep my commandments, love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And most believers struggle with both of them. <laughs> and if they are able to at least love God, they still struggle with loving one another. Uh, there's, there's a lot of struggle with that because people like to be divided. People like to find problems. People like to have issues with others. And a lot of times, even especially other believers. Well, they're a believer, so they shouldn't do that. Well, they're, they call themselves a Christian, so they shouldn't treat me this way. You know, they're this, and, and casting judgment. And we're casting judgment on one of his servants when we do that. They're going to answer to God for how they behave. We're going to answer to God for how we behave toward them. And so when others wrong us, that's where we forgive. When others treat us bad, that's where we pray for them. That's where we, others are cursing us and we bless them uh, and take that position because of this commandment to love one another. And then he says, this is how they're going to know. This is how all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another, that you have this love. Um, and maybe that's why it's really hard for people to understand who Jesus' disciples are or what Christians are because there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that don't have love. Well, they're not his disciple. <laughs> they don't have love. Doesn't matter what label you have. Doesn't matter what name you go by. Doesn't matter if you say you're a believer. If you're not following his commands, he's not Lord of your life. Well, that's kind of a strong statement. <laughs> you should follow his commands. You should be loving. You should be forgiving. Uh, and you should be seeking first that, that kingdom of God by, by loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, where I'm going, you can't follow. This is in uh, verse uh, uh, 36. You know, Peter asked him first, you know, Lord, where are you going? Uh, and he says, where I'm going, you can't follow, uh, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, uh, you will, will you really lay down your life? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. And that's where, uh, you know, Peter is just like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where you're going. I don't know what this is all about. I mean, maybe some bad things are going to come, but hey, listen, I'll go with you. I'll fight with you. I'll, I'll go to the very end. And he tries to. I mean, you got to give Peter some credit. When they come to arrest Jesus, he comes with a sword and he swings, probably trying to chop off this guy's head and takes off his ear instead. And Jesus heals him and says, stop it. We don't need any of this fighting and all, and all that stuff. So, I mean, he at least tries. But then later, what happens? All the boldness is gone and he's sitting around a fire and there's people asking him if he was with Christ. And to the point where a slave girl says, yeah, I'm pretty sure you were. And he starts calling down curses from heaven and afraid of this slave girl and admitting that he's following Christ and denies Christ with curses. Um, pretty, pretty powerful denial. And of course, Jesus knew it was going to happen. And one of the reasons that Jesus will tell us things ahead of time is so that when they happen, then we understand, okay, you know it was going to happen. It's okay. Uh, one of the reasons he's letting Peter know this is not to bring guilt or condemnation on Peter, but to bring love and forgiveness to him. So he could come and let him know, listen, I knew that was going to happen, Peter. You know, you, you were pretty bold. You were pretty haughty. You thought pretty good of yourself. You needed to be humbled a little bit. And now that you're before the slave girl saying this, now you're humbled. Now, do you love me? Do you love me? And that's when he's uh, at the shore where they're fishing. Uh, and then he starts to, to comfort the disciples in, in uh, chapter 14. Uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God, trust also in me. Uh, this is where he says, In my Father's house are many rooms and, I, and are many mansions. And I, if it wasn't so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come back and take you with me, that you will also be where I am. And so he's just like, he's like, Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's going to be scary. I mean, here they are. They've shared this supper with Jesus. Um, it's a Passover. They're thinking about, remember what the Passover is celebrating? When they were in Egypt, a death angel comes. The Egyptian uh, firstborn are killed. God doesn't kill them. And then right after that leads to their deliverance. And they go through the sea. And the, the Egyptians are wiped out. And, and they're brought out into victory. And that leads to them going to the promised land. And the Passover is all just the, the foundation of that. They're celebrating victory. They're celebrating God's protection. And then they go to this mount where it's nice and quiet. Where Jesus would go to pray. And this crowd comes with torches and spears and swords and shields. And they come and arrest Jesus. And the whole scene just changes just like that. I mean, how abrupt is that? I mean, here's this peaceful time. Here's the celebration time. Here's this joyful time of th uh, thoughts of God's deliverance. And his son is not going to be delivered. A time of victory where there's no death for the Israelites and his son is going to die. A time where they come out with all kinds of gold and silver and blessings out of Egypt. And the son's going to be naked on a cross. Boy, what, a, what, what, a, what a flip of the feelings. What an opposite. What a, what, a, what a horrible change of events. How do you go from such glory to such agony? But again, that agony, that death, that burial led to the resurrection and that agony was the glory of God. That was God's purpose. That was God showing how amazing he is, how glorious he is. And to be able to glory in such a gruesome death is that paradox of the preaching of the cross. And that's why that preaching of the cross to some is just foolishness. Your savior came and he died. Oh, what a message. And if there was no resurrection from the dead, yeah, it would be a horrible message, but there is a resurrection. So he's saying, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, even though all this stuff is going to change, everything's going on, this is all happening. Um, and he, he talks about the place he's going. He says, I'm coming back for you. I'm going to prepare a place. I'm coming back for you. Um, and that is the hope we all have, that one day he comes. We, we saw it in, what was it, Thessalonians the other day where he talks about, you know, in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be that shout and we're all going to be changed and rise to meet him in the air. Um, or was it in Romans? Maybe it was. Huh? Anyway, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the, name, the way? Thomas was always good about not getting it, right? <laughs> he was one of the best ones that... Feel like me, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and then Jesus says, I am the way. This is verse 6 of 14. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. For now on, you do know him, for you have seen him. And he's like, look at it. They're like, bless Thomas. He's such a good guy. Lord, how do we get there? How do we, you're going somewhere. First of all, he said, I'm going, but then I'm coming back for you. <laughs> but Thomas is like, I want to follow you. I want to go there. How do I get there? You know, die. <laughs> really, that's the way. 
But he says, listen, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And the only way you're going to make it to the Father is through me. That's it. Uh, there's no other way. And then he goes on to talk about how if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know me, so now you know the Father. You know God in all his glory because in Christ dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. In Christ, God was manifest. In Christ, that's why he is Emmanuel, God with us. He's like, you know me, so you know the Father. And then bless Philip. Jesus just said, you know him because you've seen him. You've seen him because you've seen me. Pretty clear, I think. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And that'll be enough for us. <laughs> Philip, <laughs> I just said, you've seen me, so you've seen the Father. <laughs> you know me, so you know him. And I and the Father are, are one. You know, this is, this is it. This is, show us the Father. <laughs> Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Even will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. And here's that other verse where we hear a lot, you know, how we'll do greater things than what he did. And here's the context of it. So first of all, you know, Philip's like, so it's the Father. And Jesus is just like, come on, Philip. Don't you believe what I'm telling you? I'm telling you that I am in the Father. The Father is in me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And just because I am in the Father and the Father is me, now as I go to the Father, whatever works I did, you're going to see even greater. And if you can't believe my words, at least believe the miracles I did. Didn't you see me walk on water? Didn't you see me raise the dead? Didn't you see me heal the sick? Didn't you see me multiply the food? Come on, at least believe in that. And listen, that's nothing compared to what you can do because now that I'm going to the Father, I'm going to send the Comforter and the Holy Spirit's going to be in you instead of just abiding on me. And you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you're going to be able to do great works as you ask in my name and as you are going forth in bringing glory to the Father, as you love God, as you love others, as yourself, you're going to be able to see the power released in your life and you're going to bring glory Glory to me. And if you are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that glory is going to be there. And you're going to be able to do greater works than I ever did. Praise God. Verse 15 of chapter 14. And if you love me, you will obey what I command. Remember what he commanded? Love God. <laughs> love others. Sometimes we wish it was more complicated. Some people do. Um, you know, I think, I think of the guy that had leprosy in the Old Testament, and he goes to the prophet, you know, he says, okay, well, go dunk yourself seven times in the water, you know, and, and he's like, oh, 
I don't like that. And then his servant is like, oh, yeah, well, if he told you to climb the mountain and spin around in circles and do a dig a dig, you know, if he told you something complicated, then you could do that. And the reason he doesn't make it complicated sometimes like that is because then we start to take glory for what he did because, oh, I did this work. Oh, if you do this, you're going to get a blessing. If you go through that step, you're going to get a blessing. Uh, some of the churches will do crazy stuff. They'll, they'll like crawl on glass and crucify themselves and whip themselves and, you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. This is the only way I can be forgiven. No, he did it all. Love God, love yourself, others. Come on, God, make it more complicated. Oh, well, I, you know, and then we'll complicate it. Well, I make sure I go to church this many times. I make sure I, I do this. You know, I make sure I go and I and I and I pray twenty times a day. And I and I and I got to my beads that I counted on. And I make sure I'm facing Jerusalem when I do it. And I and I you know just all kinds of complicated. Love God, love others. It's not that complicated. Amen. Even a child can do it. Matter of fact, come to Him as a child. Praise God. So he's like, he's like, you got to obey my command. And then he says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you the counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Mm. That's why we get to do the greater works. See, the Holy Spirit was with them. Remember where the Holy Spirit was? Saw it at John's baptism. John saw him physically come down, you know, like a form of a dove, comes down and he's on Jesus. And now there's the Holy Spirit with Jesus. And so all the while Jesus is living his life, there's the Holy Spirit. The disciples are witnessing the Holy Spirit. So when they saw him, they saw the Father. When they saw him, they saw the Holy Spirit. When they saw him, they saw the Son. When they saw him, they saw the Trinity. When they saw him, they saw the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. But as he goes to the Father, now he can release the Holy Spirit into their lives and the Holy Spirit can come inside of us, dwell inside of us, and also cover us and anoint us in the same way that Jesus was anointed as prophet, priest, and king. And we walk in the life of the Holy Spirit inside of us and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us as we are clothed with Christ. No wonder we can do greater works than he did. That almost sounds like a good word. Um, and, then, and then he goes on and he talks about uh, he, he says you should know him because he lives with you yeah. obviously he's talking about because he is living with them um, and he says in verse 10, uh, 18 but I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I live you also will live on that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and that you are in me, and I am in you. Wow. That's pretty wild. First of all, they're having a hard time grasping the point that he's in the Father, the Father's in him. Show us the Father. Uh, you know, what's the way? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's like, but not only am I in the Father, and the Father in me, but I'm going to be in you. And you're going to be in me. You are going to be my body. In this world. And if you're my body in this world, you're the Father's body in this world. You're the Holy Spirit's body in this world. You are going to be the presence of God in this world. I'm in you, you're in me. Wow. That's pretty powerful stuff he's talking about. That's pretty profound. And of course, 
it's really not clicking for them. A lot of this stuff they didn't get till after uh, it happened, after his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, and part of that is because the Holy Spirit wasn't able to quite get it to them yet until Jesus comes and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, uh, which comes later. Um, and... Uh, uh, he says, uh, verse 21, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Uh, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So if you want to see Jesus, you want to have a more intimate relationship with Jesus, love him. The way you love him is to obey the commands. And what are the commands? Love God. Love others. That's one of the biggest struggles believers have really loving god first instead of all the stuff all the trappings all the distractions all of this world and then loving others uh, big struggles but uh, the more we are able to do that the more we are able to see christ work in our lives and uh, on us and around us um then judas not judas iscariot the writer clarifies remember he left didn't want to confuse the readers says but lord oh, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? I guess that's a pretty good question. Um, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home in him. Uh, he who does not love me will not obey my teachings. The words that you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father. All this I have spoken while I am with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, peace I leave you, and peace I give you. I do not give you uh, as the world gives but uh, let not your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid you hear me say i am going away and i am coming back to you if you love me you would be glad that i'm going to the father for the father is greater than i i have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen you will believe i will not speak with you much longer the prince of this world is coming and has no hold on me but the world must learn that i love the father and that i do exactly what the father has commanded me come now let us leave. And this is where he's starting to get up from uh, the dinner, and they're going to start to go walk to the mount where he's about to be uh, arrested. And it's kind of interesting because he doesn't really answer the question, I guess, right? He's like, why don't you show the world? And, of course, it comes out uh, other places as Jesus is telling you. He's like, the world doesn't receive because it's not of the world um they, they can't see they can't understand uh they they don't know because you know my words are spirit and life and they're all about flesh and this world and the prince of the world uh but he does talk to them about the fact that the holy spirit is going to come and teach uh in another location he says man there's so much i want to share with you but you're not ready <laughs> you can't handle it but i'll send the holy spirit and the Holy Spirit will come and teach you and remind you of all things that I said. Uh, it's so important for us to have the Holy Spirit in our lives as we read Scripture, as we study the Word, as we hear preachings and teachings, as we live our lives. Because He brings us into remembrance of the things Jesus said and the things He did. Uh, and so we go into a situation and something's happening and we're like, uh, you know, just let us remind us, how did Jesus handle a situation like that? He'll remind us the, the different words that, that the Lord spoke and the, uh, all the events that happen and it's so great to have uh, the holy spirit there to be the one um and he says listen you know just because i'm going don't be sad 
You should be glad. I'm going to the Father. You should be happy. I'm returning to where <laughs> it's a lot better than this world, let me tell you that right now. <laughs> How would you like to be God, made flesh, among your own people, and they're trying to kill you, they're trying to stone you, they're speaking bad about you, they're lying about you, they're, they're mocking you, they're talking behind your back, they're constantly confronting you and asking you stupid questions. I mean, a little bit annoying. <laughs> He's in glory with the Father. Angels and seraphim and beasts that are just amazing, eyes all around, powerful beings falling down saying, glory, 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 all glory and honor and power unto you. And he comes down to the earth with a bunch of weak uh, mortal people that don't even live very long, that don't have much power, don't have much knowledge, don't have much authority, don't have much relationship that is right and good, and they're all mocking him and talking about him and trying to kill him and telling him how wrong he is. Boy, I think I would want to go back to the Father too if I was him. <laughs> he should be glad. I'm going back to the Father. Uh, no wonder he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, but he lives in us. Praise God for that. Um, and then he talks about being the vine and we are the branches and as we remain in him we produce fruit uh, that the idea is producing much fruit and that's the goal God will prune us uh, as we follow him um, and, and as we uh, glorify his name um, and in uh, verse uh, 9 uh, 15 he says as the father loved me so have I loved you now remain in love if you obey my commands you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remained in his love I have told you this so that your joy may be uh, complete. My command is this. Just in case you forgot. <laughs> if Jesus is telling you there's a new command, he says love one another, probably be good to remember. Shouldn't be that hard to remember. But just in case, <laughs> this is the command. The <laughs> uh, uh, um, oh, Why was it? Oh, this is the command. The command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And then he talks, this is where he talks about greater love is no man than this, than the lay down of life for his friend. And he says, you are my friends, so do what I command you. I am no longer calling you servants, for a servant doesn't know the master's business, but instead I call you friends, for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Uh, you did not choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is the command. Love each other. He repeats again three times already, saying, this is the command. Love each other. It's amazing to me that, that in churches and in people that call themselves Christians, that the big struggle is one loving one another when that is the command. That is the big thing he's saying. He's about to die. Here's what I really want you to know before I die. Love one another. Love one another. And if you love one another, you're going to be producing fruit. If you love one another, you're going to ask in my name, and I'm going to do it to, uh, for you. If you love one another. And here's the other thing that he says. He says, listen, you didn't choose me. This wasn't about what you thought was a good idea. This wasn't about you saying, oh, I guess I'll follow Christ. I chose you. I revealed myself to you. I called you. I brought you to the Father. Yes, there's a choice involved where you surrender to him. <laughs> 
It's more of a surrender than a choice, I guess, in some ways, right? Where you finally say, okay, God, I give up. You picked me, I guess. I know that's the way it was for me. I'm like, God, you got the wrong person. He, he was persistent. I'm like, God, there's, you, you can do better than me. He, he was persistent. I'm like, God, just leave me alone. Go find someone better. He was persistent. Finally, I said, okay, God, I surrender. You got it, me. <laughs> he chose us. And because he chose us and he called us and he anointed us, now as we love one another, that's the thing we got to do, love one another, love God, love one another, now we're going to be able to see greater things than what he did. We're going to see the power of God released in our lives. And one of the reasons we don't see more of the power of God released in churches and in people that call themselves believers and in our own lives is because we struggle with that love of one another. And the more we're able to love one another, the more we will re release the Holy Spirit in our lives because God is love. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is love. And if we're going to experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit who does the work in this world, we have to be loving. Otherwise, we are going to hinder the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we are going to reduce the ability of the Holy Spirit to do things in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And so the big issue is love. Let that love flow. Uh, let that forgiveness flow. And that's one of the ways that we demonstrate love. Uh, and then he goes on and he talks about, you know, in verse 18 and following, how the how the world hates you and he hates me. Uh, you know, and he, and he talks about um, even uh, to the point where... Uh, verse uh, 20. Uh, Remember the words I spoke unto you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teachings, they will obey yours also. If they treat you this way because of my name, for they did not know that the one who sent me. Uh, in other words, he's gonna, they're going to persecute you because they don't know the Father. They don't know God. If they're going against you, um, it's because they don't love God. It's because they don't understand God. And they don't want God in their lives. They are re if they reject me, they're rejecting God, is what Jesus is saying. If they reject us, they're rejecting God, is what Jesus is saying. If we are walking and being his disciples. Uh, and he talks about how they're, how they're going to hate us. Um, uh, where was it? Um, verse 23. He who hates me hates my father as well. Uh, and if I had not done among them... What no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now that they have seen these miracles and yet have hated both me and the Father, uh, but this is to be fulfilled was written, they had hit, hated me without reason. And he's like, man, if I didn't show them and I didn't do things that nobody else ever did, you know, raising the dead, healing the blind, um, uh, all the different things that he did, if, no one, if I didn't do all that stuff, maybe they wouldn't be so guilty. But now because of that, that's their guilt. Remember when he talks about the cities, woe to you. You're going to be more guilty than Sodom and Gomorrah. Because if I did the miracles there that I did here, they would have repented. But here you're not repenting. He proved himself through his power. And that's one of the ways we prove our relationship with God is by releasing that power into other people's lives. Life-changing power. Um, and then he talks about the counselor that's going to come from the Father, that spirit of truth. Uh, that's in verse 26. Um, and uh, verse uh, or chapter 16. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. And in fact, the time is coming when anyone kills you, they'll think they're offering God's service. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when it comes, you remember uh, I warned you and I did 
not tell you this at first because I was with you. So he's saying, listen, here's here's what's going to happen. They're going to put you out of the synagogues. They're going to kill you and say they're doing it in the name of God. And he's like, the reason I didn't talk about this a while back and I didn't tell you about this before is because I was with you. But now that I'm not going to be with you, now you're going to see what's going to happen. You're going to face the same things I'm facing. Rejection, uh, lies, uh, being stoned, being scourged, being arrested, being put to death. And, and uh, I think all the disciples ended up being uh, martyred for the cause. Um, and, and all this is coming. And so he's warning them ahead of time. And one of the reasons he's warning them is so that they won't go astray. So that when the persecution comes, when the hard times comes, when we face the tribulations of this world, we won't say, oh, God's just not with us. Oh, God's rejected. Oh, God, why aren't you protecting me from these things? But we'll say, oh, Jesus warned us this was coming. In this world, you will have tribulations tribulation but what did he say oh be of good cheer i've overcome the world it's okay because his kingdom is not of this world uh and here he's answering the question that was asked earlier you know why aren't you revealing yourself to the world because they don't care they just reject it uh think of lazarus and the rich man the rich man says hey hey send lazarus back from the dead to tell my brothers and warn them he's like someone comes back from the dead they're still not going to believe they got moses and the prophets they got the truth they got the law they've got jesus they've got his testimony they've got all the things that he did if they're not believing that if they're rejecting that they're rejecting the father they're rejecting jesus and if they reject him they're going to reject us as we walk and follow the lord and as we first face persecutions as we face heartaches as we face loss as we face pain as we face death as we face disease as we face all the different things in this world he's like listen i want you to know that stuff's gonna happen that's the bumper sticker, isn't it? Stuff happens. Maybe it's a different word. I don't know. Some, something happens. Stuff, it's going to happen. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. It's not about this world because there's coming a day when you're going to go to that place I prepared for you. It's ready. And if Jesus is building a place for us, I can't even imagine what it looks like. And it's not just a place for all of us, but individual specific place for each and every one of us. Custom made. So that if you like yellow and blue, it's yellow and blue. I don't know why anybody like that, but <laughs> just the color you like, the style you like. <laughs> Amazing. Custom made for us. Um, and, and then he goes on and he, and he talks about, you know, that, that he's going to be uh, going away. Um, that um, And at this point, they're not asking him where he's going to go. This is going to around verse 5 of, of 16. Um, he talks about the counselor coming um, and, and the world being judged. Um, and then he says in verse 12 here's the one i alluded to earlier i have much more to say to you more than you can now bear but when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak of his own he will speak only of what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come he will bring glory to me uh, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you and so here's where the holy spirit is going to bring that and guide us and help us with truth uh, that's where the word of God becomes a living, powerful word because we're able to dig into it and find things and read a verse uh, 500 times. And then another time the Holy Spirit reveals something new in that verse. And he's just guiding us deeper in the truth, uh, further along the way, the Holy Spirit giving us what we need when we need it, comforting us, counseling us, helping us uh, to be who, who we need to be. Um, 
Uh, and then uh, in verse 17, some of the disciples say to one another, what does he mean? In a little while, you're going to go a little while, a little while, you know. They're, just, they're still struggling with Je what Jesus is talking about. Uh, and Jesus uh, says in uh, verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. They wanted to ask him. They didn't ask him, but they wanted to ask him about this. And he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said a little while you'll see me more, no more? And then after a little while, you'll see me. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. A woman given birth to a child uh, has pain because her time has come. Uh, pain or a woman giving birth has tribulation uh, uh, because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy of the child that is born into the world. So now you, uh, so... So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. No one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I will tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have asked anything in my name. Uh, ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Uh, though you have been speaking figuratively, uh, the disciples start to say, they're like, oh, man, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, uh, and I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you love me and have believed that I come from God. Uh, I came from the Father and entered into the world. Now I am leaving the world. And and going back to the father and he talks about you know okay so i'm leaving for a little while they don't know coming back leaving he says it's the same just like a woman having the pains of childbirth having the tribulation of childbirth having that, that that awkwardness you're about to have pain you're about to have tribulation you're about to have anguish but it's because there is a birthing process going on and he's talking about his death and his burial but then the resurrection that new life that is to come there has to be that pain there has to be that suffering there has to be that loss and he talks about uh, this is where he really emphasizes using his name in prayer because what is happening he's going to be in us so now we go to the father as christ as ambassadors of christ as representatives of christ as the body of christ and so we can go in his name in the same way, uh, when a husband and wife get married and the wife takes on the husband's name, which is the way it usually is, although in today's world, I don't know what happens, but it doesn't matter. The way God always had it, this is the way it happens. <laughs> the wife takes on the husband's name and then she can sign a legal document with his last name. And it's like... Okay, I am one with him. We are together. We are a unit. Um, it's like that. So we go to the Father in Jesus' name, and that's why we don't have to ask the Father uh, in a separate way or ask Jesus, but we ask in Jesus' name because we have the authority of the name of Jesus because he is in us and we are in him. Uh, and that's what he's explaining to them there. Uh, and then they finally start to go, oh, oh, we believe. Oh, yeah, we, we're kind of getting it. You're not talking figures of speech. This is in chapter, verse 29. And in verse 31, you believe at last, Jesus announced. I just wonder how he says that to him. You believe at last? Really? <laughs> Look at all this I've been going through. This is Last Supper, remember? Right now they're walking to, to, to the mount where he's going to be crucified. He's like, oh yeah, you've been, you've been all figurative. Now we get it. You believe at last? Jesus answered, but the time is coming 
and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me alone, all alone. <laughs> Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you will or you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, tribulation, problems, heartaches, sufferings. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And so here's the context. Here, I finally got to the message, right? <laughs> so he's like, you finally believe me. You know, this is what he's talking about, asking his name. They're going to do it. He says, but here's what's going to happen. You're about to be scattered, each to your own little house. They're not scattered as a group. They're, they're, not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not together where they can support one another. They're scattered. And they're hiding. And they're going... I might be next. Uh, there's one young man that's behind Jesus and they chase him down and he they grab his clothes and he runs away naked. How would you like that? Running away naked. <laughs> going, man, they're going to catch me and kill me. <laughs> okay, don't picture it or anything. <laughs> they're going to be hiding. They're going to be in fear and trembling. They're going to be going, what is going on? And here Jesus is being arrested. Jesus is being put on trial in a false, fake trial. Peter is going to deny him. And at the time he denies him and the rooster crows, he's going to be close enough that Jesus can make eye contact with him. And Peter is going to be going out weeping and travailing and saying, how could I say I would die for you? And now I'm calling down curses and rejecting you. And before his grief can end, Jesus is going to be mocked. Jesus is going to be beat. Jesus is going to have a crown of thorns put on his head. He's going to be whipped and his back is going to be torn to shreds. He's going to carry a cross that's too heavy for him to bear. And someone else will help him to bring it up to the uh, mount where he is going to be crucified on Golgotha. And he's going to be crucified and nailed to a cross. And he is going to bleed out his very last drops of blood and a spear is going to pierce his side and the last little bit is going to pour out of him while Peter is still in his grief while the disciples are still hiding he is going to be all alone but he said but I'm not alone because my father is with me in this world you will have tribulation in this world there's going to be times when you're thinking the darkness is so dark that there's no hope in this world there's going to be times where you think that i've been defeated that you've been defeated that god has abandoned you there's going to be times when it's going to be so dark so scary all kinds of voices around you against you and you may be all alone but be of good cheer I've overcome the world. They're going to put him in the grave. And they're still going to be scattered. They're still going to be wondering. They're still going to not know what's going on. And slowly they'll start gathering together. They'll start talking what's happening. But three days later, he is going to resurrect from the dead. And they're going to get a word from some women that go to take care of his body. His body's not here. He is risen. And they're going to run to the grave to look and see. And they're going to see that he is not there anymore and they're going to be gathered together in an upper room and he is going to appear to them in that room be of good cheer I've overcome the world of course Thomas won't be there so he'll say 
Well, until I put my hands into his side, and then Jesus will appear again and say, here, with nail-pierced hands and a gash in his side in a resurrected body, how does that body live with these holes? <laughs> the blood's gone, but the spirit's alive. Go ahead, put your finger in there. Put your hand in there. <laughs> Thomas is like, ah, no, I'm good. <laughs> my Lord and my God. <laughs> and so the context of which Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have heartache, you're going to have pain, you're going to have suffering, you're going to have loss, you're going to have all these different things. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world in the context is as he is about to die, as they are about to be alone, as they are about to be at a place where they think the one they are following failed. The one they are following, maybe he wasn't the Messiah. The one they are following, it's when they're going to be in doubt. It's when they're going to be in despair. It's when they're going to be in the deepest, darkest place of their life. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. How can you be at the foot of the cross looking up at Jesus as he's dying saying, yay, because he's bringing glory to the Father. And so we glory in the cross of Jesus. Paul's like, I'm not going to know anything but the cross of Jesus. I'm not going to preach anything but the death of Jesus, his burial, his resurrection. It is a glorious thing. And yet it can be so horrible in our lives at times. We think we're alone. We think we're facing all these things without anybody. We think, you know, all this stuff coming against us. But the Father is with us. Jesus said, you leave me all alone, Father's with me. Even when we think we're all alone, even when we think we have friends go against us, even when there's nothing around us that says God's at work in our lives, even then, God is with us. Be of good cheer. We've overcome the world. We're looking for a new heaven, a new earth, a city whose builder is maker is God. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And so that is the context of what he says in this world. You'll have tribulation. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you for what you have done for us. I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. I thank you that uh, we can come to you and know life and know it more abundantly. And Father, as we face the difficulties in our lives, as we face tribulation, as we face heartaches, as we face disappointments, as there's times we've prayed to you and you don't answer the way we thought you should, or we can't figure out why we're going through some things, that we can still be of good cheer, know you've overcome the world, and know you are bringing us to a better place, that you've prepared a place for us, a special place, and one day we will be there with you as you return for us and we rise to meet you in the air and we go and dwell in the presence of our God and our King and the Father forever and ever. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.